When you think about the nature of baseball, it's no wonder it's America's pastime because as a hitter, the odds, if you're doing great, if you're having a great season or seven out of 10, you're failing and it's overcoming the odds and, and it's failure all the time. So you redefine success and you pull yourself up by the bootstraps and try to figure out how to succeed, always adapting, always adjusting. The, the mainstream hitting community is about two and a half million people. And every year there's two million youth players. There's 455,000 high school players, 48,500 college players, 3,300 professional players, 750 major league players, 375 position players in the, in the big leagues. Now, in the history of Major League Baseball, there's only been 18,000 Major League Baseball players to ever get in the to ever play in the big leagues, to ever even have a cup of coffee in the big leagues. And to actually get to the big leagues, it's literally randomly one in a million simply because of what we have to overcome, what the the odds of what we have to overcome. And I'm going to get into that in just a second. Now, there's 18,000 players, which makes 9,000 hitters in 150 years. Okay. Now, just those facts alone, and, and what I'm going to talk about next, cause everybody who enjoys our pastime to call us who played in the big leagues, they call us freaks. Well, you know, well, he's a freak. You know, um, you wouldn't teach someone to hit like him because he's a freak. And he hits his way and he's just figured out how to do it. And he's figured out how to make it all work out to to be able to... He's, he's figured out how to match his style, his swing... And then figure out timing and you can't teach that. And and so it becomes this impossible thing. And there's a big group. There's a big variety. There's a big portion of the mainstream hitting community that basically says this, there's way too many variables, there's too many moving parts, there's no point in trying to to develop a player to tell him what to do. It's got to be experienced. You can either hit or you can't. You were born with it or you're not. And consequently, that's how Major League Baseball is structured. It's structured where the first couple of years... There's kind of a moratorium on coaching those young players, those especially the early round picks. And then the later round picks really don't get a lot of attention anyways. But fact is, is that they're not coached a lot because by, by the very nature of the game, of the failure in the game, the assumption is, is that no one understands it that there's no way to understand hitting on a conscious level. 
that it's a subconscious thing. And yet, when you look around at every other every other discipline from uh, let's call it mixed martial arts, you know, there are great mixed martial arts fighters, and then there are gurus who are excellent teachers who can teach every little piece and portion and every little move and and they can be mentors and and make people great but in baseball this overriding theme that there's too many moving parts and too many variables and that for uh, over a hundred years there has not been a lot of thought or a lot of thought that that it could be transferred from one person to another that the success from one player could be transferred to the next unless he already has it unless the player's already a natural player and then you can give him little tidbits here and there and because what's handed down from generation to generation is this natural hitting language and if, unless you're a natural hitter you don't understand the natural hitting language you you just you're just not going to grasp it. And if you've ever heard two professional or two major league hitters in, in conversation, I was just having a conversation with a, hall, a friend of mine who's a Hall of Famer at an event a few weeks ago. And I was thinking to myself, we were talking about timing, and, and I was thinking about what if somebody was listening to us? They would think we were nuts because they would it would confirm to them that we were freaks and that there's no way that they would teach their hitters how to hit like we did. Because if they did, that there's no way that their hitters would be able to hit like that. Bottom line is they just don't understand. They don't understand us. Okay. Because when I talk to Wade Boggs or I talk to a hall of famer, there's a lot I understand already. And so when he explains something, I understand what he's saying. Now, let's look at, let's let's take a look at the amateur level all the way up it through, through the minor league level. There is a sentiment in the mainstream hitting community. And I include all of us in this, that, all the information is out there that we all understand, that, that we all have the same information. And that we reach the level that our ability can take us. And that's all we can do about it. It's the only thing we can really do about it. And unless you have the qualities of a natural hitter and you have this special gift, you're not able to grasp like, a special insight that maybe a Hall of Famer could come up and, and and tell you and you would understand. Because the average hitter just wouldn't wouldn't get it because he doesn't he doesn't have enough layers of of awareness to be able to grasp onto what the Hall of Famer is telling him. Because of course the Hall of Famer is a freak and the amateur or even professional player is not. 
what that's really saying is that there's nothing we can do about it. And so we play our career with a bunch of buzzwords and we play our career with a bunch of myths. And in the last couple of decades with all the smartphones and all the amateur coaches being able to analyze swings, coming up with concepts, coming up with observations and building theories around these observations. I call them theories around the don'ts instead of theories around the do's. There are things that you focus on. All good hitters know that there's things that you focus on in your approach. And there are things that just get done. There are things that happen. If you focused on the things that happen, it would fire out of sequence. Something would happen out of sequence and it wouldn't work. So there are things that you have to focus on that we call them the do's okay but there are so many in the in this in the dance called hitting that you can't really focus on any one of them you have to focus on the whole dance all at once as a matter of fact it's like learning a dance you have to learn every step and you have to practice all the steps and you got to learn the beat and then you don't think because it's all in your automatic mind once again, there's a sentiment that it can't really be done because once again, there's a sentiment that we all have the same information and if I only get to the college level and I have a couple good seasons in college, then I figured it out at that level, and then I understand how to hit. It's kind of like the dad saying, um, I've taken my son, he's 13, I've taken him as far as I could take him. Now I need someone to take over. In what other world would that be said? If a kid was interested in playing tennis, would he practice with an amateur dad who didn't know how to play tennis? If the kid wanted to be a bowler or a piano player or an artist or an engineer or anything, would the amateur parent or an amateur coach, Lily coach in this case, or uh, an, an amateur coach in, in on, on on any or in, in any other sport, would they take the person to? age of 13 from 6 to 13 and develop them for, for for seven years and then say well this is as far as I could take them no you'd go to the professional right away you can see it in like for example gymnastics you look at a six year old gymnast and you go she's working it out at six years old she's focused and then you look at a 17 year old baseball player and he's been playing baseball play, baseball for eight years and you think you know what is he a yellow belt how much does he really know about baseball now i'm not saying that's really the player's fault because the mainstream hitting community 
has come up with this idea that there's really nothing we can do about it. That there's way too many moving parts, there's too many variables, you're only succeeding three out of ten times anyways. So that there's a certain randomness to it. And it's such a, an experiential thing by nature that there's really little or no hope that someone else can get in, get get involved and make any significant change in in your development but i know that to not be true i was a natural hitter and one of the things that helped me or the one of the things that allowed me to develop and to be one of the better hitters as i played amateur ball and then got into pro ball um, was, I wasn't coached. I wasn't coached. My dad played baseball, but maybe when I was five years old, he helped me out. But after that, he just watched my games. He didn't show me how to do anything. He didn't tell me how to do anything. He just watched my games, and I figured it out myself. So I was used to making decisions on my own. So I became a natural hitter. And... So consequently, when I got into pro ball, I knew nothing, but I was used to making adjustments on my own. Well, first two years I struggled. I struggled ridiculously because I had no big picture context about what I was supposed to be doing. As soon as I got the context of what, the big picture context, the Bernstein principle, it talks about how your body organizes itself in the most efficient way possible to complete the task based on the big picture that you envision about the task. Okay? So if you don't have the big picture, you know, you're looking too close. If you're if you're having to hammer a nail and you're looking at your wrist or your elbow instead of Maybe almost letting your, your mind wander and thinking about you're building a deck and maybe you're thinking about your day, but you're subconsciously driving the nails perfectly in because you know what you're doing subconsciously. You know the big picture. You know what's going on. And your automatic mind takes over, which operates at a million times faster speeds than your conscious mind. And as long as you know the big picture of what you're trying to do, your body can perform at, at a high level. That's what a natural hitter does in baseball. But what happens is, is that every player who gets past high school, who, who gets into college and, and, and starts to really apply himself, realizes that he has to make his own, his own adjustments and He's got to get serious, and you can really see see a difference between the high school player and the college player because there, a real seriousness comes over the players because they they you tend to look up to the players that you see ahead of you at, at their caliber, and you tend to to mimic their behavior and and to start getting more serious and to train a little harder, train more strict, and control your body a little bit better. Still, the problem is that too many, too many variables, too many moving parts. Therefore, there's nothing you can do about it. 
So you go as high as you can. And if college is as high as you get and you have a couple really good seasons, in your mind, you believe you understand pretty much everything there was to know about hitting. Because during those formative years, during those successful years, you had success. So you figured out the secret to connecting your swing style and your swing to the speed of the pitch, and you became a successful hitter. And the difference between that level and the major league level is someone is just that much better. They're able to connect their swing at the major league level with the timing of the pitch. But it, the, they equate it to being the same thing. So once again, the idea is that everybody has the same information. So you got minor league baseball players coming back from their experience playing three or four years, and then they get released. They come back home, and they pretty much fig- figure that they learned everything that there was to learn, but they just weren't talented enough. You know, maybe they're a little frustrated. They they got maybe they didn't get enough playing time or whatever. But either way, they just weren't good enough. But they do know everything that everybody else knows, and their friend that learned from the same coaches who made it all the way to the big leagues when they talk to them, they really can't explain any more than they knew. There's no more answers coming from that kid either who went all the way to the big leagues. So once again, you assume that no matter what level you get to, you know everything about the game or or everything about hitting. And that's where the confusion comes in. And that's what the difference between a natural hitter and a mechanical hitter. That's what the difference between the self-aware hitter and the mechanical hitter. So, if that's what you believe, then that's the kind of coach you're going to be when you get into college and you're coaching. When you're coaching high school players, college players, amateur players, even professional players, you're going to coach in the same way because you believe that pretty much you know everything about hitting and you're going to tell them what you what you learned and i'm telling you it's an incomplete picture so now i'm going to give you the truth the reason why i played in the big leagues i had the same thoughts as 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 what i just explained i pretty much thought the same way but i was determined i always wanted someone to explain hitting to me in the same way that you would be taught how to play the piano, a concert pianist would be taught by an expert musician. I wanted to learn it in that way, but there was no one, there was no one who had broke it down. There was no one who had come up with those answers. So the, the consensus is, is that there are no answers and that there isn't anyone that can come up with it. Well, I beg to differ. Because I've spent the last 20 years and there's going to be a paradigm shift in the mainstream hitting community from the mechanical hitter to the natural hitter. And if you're a coach out there and you want to become a great hitting coach, 
you have a choice. You, you this coach's mastermind, this natural hitting coach's mastermind, are for coaches who see themselves in the next year, in the next five years, of being enlightened, being a great hitting coach, being becoming a guru. Our certified coaches are enlightened beyond their belief because and if you if you talk to them it's completely different uh completely different mindset once you know the truth it's completely different now there are different levels to it now what i needed when i was coming up was i was given the major league plan from frank robinson the hall of famer when he gave me the the plan when he gave me the plan that was enough information so that i could have enough context and then i knew what to focus on i knew the big picture like the bernstein principle so the body organizes itself in the best way possible to to complete the task if it knows what the big picture is if it knows what the end goal is so because frank told me the plan I was able to discipline myself and I learned how to execute. And I, of course, I had my great years where when you hit 32 home runs, Silver Slug Award winner, All-Star catcher, um, you know, I've uh, played five years, with the, five years with the Tigers, five years with the Yankees, came up in the Giants organization in the minor leagues. Spend another years with the Orioles and Rockies, but you know, my years with the Yankees. Here I was playing with, with you know guys like guys like Don Mattingly. When I was with the Tigers, I was playing with guys like Darrell Evans and and uh, Kirk Gibson and Alan Trammell, Lou Whitaker, Chet Lemon, Larry Herndon, Johnny Grubb, Ray Knight, Bill Madlock, and on and on and on. I mean. It was amazing the guys that I got to play with throughout the years. But it rarely occurred to me to ask another player, what do you do that makes you more successful than me? Because everybody kind of believes at the major league level that we're all experts in our own right. And that's true to some extent because when, let's say I was, I'm, I'm hot one day and if I'm hot then, and, and, and let's say a guy who eventually becomes a Hall of Famer is not hot, well, I'm a better hitter that day and I used to hit the ball hard. So I, but you know, maybe the Hall of Fame guy, he's able to access that ability, those heightened senses more often than me and therefore he became a Hall of Famer. So I didn't think of it in terms of that I needed to understand it. I thought in terms that I needed to access it. And that's another mistake. Because the longer and longer I played, the more aware I became. So hitting is more about awareness than almost anything else. So if if I could say anything, it's that 
hitting, I was more aware than most hitters around me, that, which is the reason why I played in the big leagues. And most of the other hitters that I played with, they didn't make it because I happened to be a little bit more aware of what my of what the goal was and what I was trying to accomplish and do. How I thought about the bat, how I thought about the bat as a tool, swinging the bat like a sledgehammer or whatever, however I thought about it at the time. So for the next 20 years, I always dreamed that there would be a guru to, to actually help me because I never had a hitting coach in the big leagues that, that, that really that was able to explain certain things to me. I, I went by feel and I could always access it. And when I did, boy, I could really hit. But accessing it, what you know, I couldn't access it as often as Don Mattingly or Wade Boggs. Now, the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now that there is going to be a paradigm shift towards natural hitting is because we're starting a certification and we're building an army of coaches that have an open mind and that are realizing that what they knew as a player is not the end of the story. And then when they get into coaching, they were just a player, they get into coaching, then they go listen to maybe a coach they respect and they listen to their theory and then they buy off on it and then they teach that for 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 20 30 years which is kind of ridiculous because they're never actually getting better and getting more enlightened all they're doing is simply repeating something that someone else said without any context to reality or the big picture The natural hitters, coaches, mastermind, optional certification afterwards. I'm going to teach you what it is to be aware. And this is not for the hitter that just thinks that it's hopeless and that you're only going to get as high as your cape that you're born with, that, that the talent that you're born with. Let, let me tell you, I look at young hitters that played A-ball and I think to myself, this guy's a good athlete. It's like you put everybody on the basketball court. That guy's the best athlete on the, you know, on the court. And he's got a good swing playing baseball. He's got all that. But he just he can't see past the end of his nose when he's hitting. He's less aware as a hitter. Okay? So he doesn't ever get it. But if he retires, he's going to think he learned everything about hitting that he needed to know. He just wasn't good enough. That's not the truth. So I'm excited to present to you the Natural Hitters Coaches Mastermind. And we're offering certification for our coaches to be a part of a army of coaches uh, we'll be doing super camps around the country. And uh, how many how many hitting camps have you been to? 
have you been a part of as a player or as a coach that every coach was on the exact same page? Never happens. <laughs> but ours do. We are all in sync. Now, I'm not saying we have a system that that we teach natural hitting. Natural hitting is not a system that everybody's a cookie cutter. No, natural hitting is that everybody thinks for themselves. Is that you teach your hitters what you expect of them, and we call them the touchstones. The touchstones are the do's. The touchstones are the action steps, the anecdotes. They are the beginning of the language of natural hitting that's been passed down for 150 years. And as you learn these do's, you start to understand the tidbits of information that you could get from more advanced players. You won't be limited to the information that you would be stuck with without the do's because there's so many myths in the mainstream hitting community that if you let those infiltrate, you're going to be thinking about things you shouldn't be thinking about and you're going to freeze up and you're going to have all sorts of problems. As an example, when's the last time you froze in soft toss? You don't freeze in soft toss. Why? Because you're hitting naturally. What do you mean? Well, there are over 10 variables from you can feel the space between you, you're comfortable with the pendulum, you've picked out the spot where he's going to release it, you, you anticipate the trajectory, you pick out the spot where, where, where you want to hit it, you coordinate your stride time with the pitch time or with, with the toss time. Um, and because you've picked out the spot where you want to hit it, it creates a distance. The distance between release and contact. The distance is timing because you know how long it takes to travel over that time. If it were to go further, it would take longer time. So timing is actually distance. Well, that's important to know because you need to know what to rehearse. All right. Then you synchronize release. You synchronize the feel of the beat between release and contact. And then you match the swing time with the pitch time after forming a repeatable swing. That's probably the only thing you're conscious of when you take soft toss is you go off in the corner and you go find a repeatable swing and then you come back and hit. So that's 10 things. Having said that, all 10 things, basically, you do without even knowing you're doing it. But you're, you're within 12 feet of the tosser. And so you get up to the plate and the tosser's within 12 feet and your subconscious mind takes over and it's able to manage these 10 variables without even knowing you're managing. You don't even know you're thinking about all this stuff. Everything that I mentioned, you're not even aware that you're doing that. But your subconscious mind is. And within 12 feet, it can manage it. It can manage those variables without... because it, it, And it can do that because you're operating in your automatic mind. Your automatic mind processes a million times faster than your conscious mind. And because of that, you're able to process and manage those 10 variables without even knowing you're doing it automatically 
and you're able to hit softness, but when you stretch it out five times further back, when you five five times the distance, when when you get out to sixty feet and you stretch it out, because of the distance, those variables, the same those exact same variables, become unmanageable. It takes more than just showing up, putting your jock on, and just standing up at the plate and hitting. You can't manage those variables in the same way as you can if it's within 12 feet. Why? Because hitting is timing. And within 12 feet, you can feel the distance between release and contact. And that is time. But the distance between release at at about 54 feet and contact is a little bit further. It was a lot further. And because it's a lot further, your your automatic mind it's is on overload. It cannot process that information without knowing what you're doing. So you now instead of having zero variables, being able to manage every one of them in Softos, to now you have those ten variables and then you add three more speed, spin, and location. Four more. The distance it has increased. So now everything's unmanageable. So by understanding that, if you don't understand that, you can't even begin to, to you can't even begin to to deal with it so that you can manage it and reduce those variables. So I spent 20 years learning to articulate what I did when I played well. Of course, when I started out, it was difficult. I didn't, I didn't know how to explain it. I didn't know how to express myself. And that's why when you hear a couple Hall of Famers, if, if they're really not into, if, if, if they haven't been devoted for, for a long time in trying to find the words to communicate and how to communicate to another hitter the secrets in the about natural hitting and how to reduce all those variables. And I tell you right now, number one, you cope with the pitcher. Number two, you time the pitch. Number three, you find a repeatable swing. Number four, you read the pitch and you've reduced them down to zero. Sounds easy? Okay, well... It is. It is if you understand what those variables are. Now, I just very quickly ran through them, but let me give you an example of what a mechanical hitter does. What a mechanical hitter does, it says there's too many variables, there's too many moving parts, and nothing can be done. So one of the touchstones is called the six timing touchstones. And so there's six bullet points to this one this one touchstone the touchstones of the do's the action steps the anecdotes so in the six timing touchstones number one is the motion of the pitcher which you filter okay how long have you been playing catch been playing catch all your life and you shorten the timeline of release 
down to basically zero. In other words, you don't time one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine release. You don't go through the whole wine. You're not paying attention to all that. Matter of fact, you're probably having a conversation with the person on the side of you. Whoever you're, you know, or, 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 you know, maybe you're looking at the ground halfway between you and the guy throwing it to you. And yet we're taught as hitters to look at the release area, to look where the ball's going to be released. Even that's sort of right. I mean, that sounds reasonable. It's logical. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's not complete. Because that's not what you do when you play catch. And when you play catch, you see it right out of the hand every time. You always have. You never get jumpy. It's always smooth. You always see the ball perfectly. If you see someone throw a baseball one time, your subconscious mind knows where the ball is released. Your conscious mind might not know, but your subconscious mind does. If anything, your subconscious mind, because the processor is so fast, it's your greatest resource is your automatic mind. That automatic mind has an ability to actually see the arm, move out, move out from the arm and see it being released when you focus on the beat of when it's going to be released instead of where. See, because you only look where you can still be surprised. If you know where something's coming from, but you don't know when, it can still surprise you. If it surprises you, it's going to freeze you. If it freezes you, you're not going to swing. And if the ball's down the middle, you just you, you just missed your pitch. But if you know when, then you know where to because your subconscious mind knows where. So the secret to that touchstone is where, not when. So synchronizing release is about when release is going to happen. Just as in music, everything in the music tells you when the beat's going to happen. Everything in the motion tells you when release is going to happen. So we have a set of drills and we have a set of routines and then, of course, rehearsals. Now, it all comes down to this. Look. In every touchstone, there's a set of drills. There's a set of rehearsals, which is pregame. Drills are for early work, for training. Routines are for your pregame to, you know, maybe you're going to, you know, cut back on your work, but you're, you're going to focus on doing it perfect. And your rehearsals are little pinpoints of little small movements or small, uh, uh, little, um, uh, they are reminder positions that have little bits of movements in them that remind you of a movement or whatever that you have to remind yourself of. And if you can build a rehearsal, if you can go from drill to routine to rehearsal, it's at that point in your automatic mind. If it's in your automatic mind, then it is burned into the rest of the dance. And you can go through the dance without thinking about your steps. They say it takes 28 days to break a habit, a bad habit. No, it doesn't. You just have to think of it differently. That'd be like if, if you were driving nails into a deck 
and you kept the nails kept bending because you were focused on your elbow and you were worried about your wrist and every time you bent it you got worried about your the mechanics of of the stroke and the arc and you watch the club and stuff all that you know what if you change your perspective shoot you could think about if if you just realize you're building a deck and you look out at the beauty of the day and you just hardly look at the nail because your automatic mind knows what you're doing you're driving the nail you're not swinging the hammer you're driving the nail so by getting the big perspective by by cha- by getting the context of what you're doing you're able to perform the act and make the adjustment instantaneously and that's what we do and there's all sorts of examples that you've experienced yourself how you've been up to the plate and struggled and then you make an adjustment you make one little adjustment and then boom you hit a home run because you make adjustments in the moment you've been making adjustments in the moment your whole life playing baseball but you have to buy off on it you can't have some coach saying try this try that because it's not you know, you got to use your brain. You can't use his brain. So let's go back to the when, not the where. Knowing when the ball is going to be going to be released. How many times are we strung out and jumpy? Well, that happens a lot. Why would you change your mechanics if you were strung out and jumpy? When the fix is to learn how to cope with the delivery of the pitcher instead of watching him go through his windup going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine release. You just go filter, 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 nine, 10 or nine release. In other words, you just, you filter everything out till you, you know when the beat's going to happen. Okay. How, how can you be jumpy? If you do that, you're not going to be jumpy. Okay, you just fix that. Okay, what's the next step? Okay, you got to know where the ball's going to travel to. So you got to know, you got to place your bat, got to rehearse contact. I mean, you do it in golf. You have an idea where you're going to go back to. Okay, well, that creates a distance. It reinforces actually not just where it's going, but what it's going to feel like when, it's gonna, when you're going to hit it because you kind of place your hands in, in position the way you want to hit it. And it reinforces the distance. And that distance gives you a beat and intensity of how long it's going to take from release to contact. You see what I'm saying? That when you start to understand what the variables are, you can do something about it. Now, these are the same variables that you manage without thinking in SoftOS. It's just in Softos, we never had to have this conversation. Okay. Now, what if in the game, your swing keeps feeling different? Well, are you hitting it at different depths every time? Especially in batting practice? If you hit it at a different depth every time, of course your swing is going to feel different. If you want to repeat, 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 
then you got to hit at the same depth. Got to hit it with, with with some momentum so you're not forcing the bat. So this is natural hitting with natural solutions. Natural hitting is about finding natural solutions using natural swing flow, the big picture context, and knowing and understanding what the variables are and understanding how to build drills, routines, and rehearsals in order to learn how to manage the variables as they increase as they get farther away. You actually sharpen your skills because you're able to work on those things that you you don't do as well. And as soon as you can make a rehearsal out of it, you automatically make it subconscious. And so now you're not thinking about it. So now there's no oversensory, there's no overthinking. You're just hit you're, you're just hitting the ball hard. You're able to sum up hitting into one thought of hitting the ball hard and that's it. But you have to know what's wrong. Now what the touchstones do is they are they are they are the do's, they are the most common do's that players struggle with that contrast the myths that are really close, that are similar, but they're actually don'ts. In other words, the, the, the 12 touchstones are the 12 areas where we get screwed up the most. And if you understand the 12 touchstones, they are the do's. And it will take your mind off of what not to do. In other words, there's so many myths out there that if you focus on, for example, you could witness that the straight leg, that, that the front leg straightens out, of course, straightens out. But that's not a do. It gets straight. You don't think about straightening it out. So you don't stride with a straight leg because you'd leak. Plus, you wouldn't be able to put any energy into the ball. Yet, there are people that look at the straight front leg and literally think they're supposed to focus on straight front leg. Well, that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? A lot of people already know that. But there are a lot of other things that you don't know. The 12 touchstones go over the most frequent myths. And they counteract, the, they counteract those myths by giving you the do's in among those categories. So you can figure out what's wrong by figuring out in what category are you struggling in. And once you figure out what category you're struggling in, then there are bullet points under each of the categories that teach you higher level things of how to polish. Some of the do's you'll you'll execute perfectly so you don't have to think about it at all. You don't have to go in, go, go into it any deeper than understanding what the do is. Others, you'll need to learn what the variables are so that you can cope with them. And you cope with them by building routines and building drills and building rehearsals. Therefore, they'll become automatic and now you've dealt with it. That's called refining, my friends. And in Every one of the touchstones, 
your timing, whether it's physical timing or pitch timing, it's a part of it. And there's a lesson to be taught in each of those touchstones. So you'll understand where timing fits in. It's like the it, it's it's like blood that circulates through all the touchstones. So timing plays a part in every touchstone. And so does the plan. The major league plan. The plan that gives perspective to big league hitters. And it's the reason why big league hitters are big league hitters. It's because they understand what the end game is. They understand what to focus on. They don't get distracted. They don't let the situation pull them away from ever missing their pitch. As a matter of fact, that's, that's the definition of a big league hitter. Big league hitter is when everybody knows. Somebody asked me that one time. I said, it's because everybody knows. I, they go, what do you mean? I go, well, it's when your manager knows. Coaches know. Teammates know. Shoot. Posing pitcher knows. The other team knows. When you get your pitch, you don't miss it. Your team can count on the fact that when you get your pitch, you don't miss it. Now, there's no one expects you to hit a ball out of your zone. But they expect you to hit the ball in your zone every time. Now, in this course, you're going to learn why, for instance, why you freeze when you're not supposed to. Why you swing at balls in the dirt. And yet, why you freeze on, on, a, on a curveball down the middle. Um, you're you're going to learn how to open up the zone, yet still be ready for a fastball. You're going to learn what the rules are about looking for breaking balls. Because the rules are very strict. You're going to learn about blocking that extra move that major leaguers have that make them major leaguers because they block, to, because they find an access. It's the reason why a high school and college player, whether he's 205 pounds, 6'1", 6'2", 205, can only hit it 370 to 400 feet. And that's his, with an aluminum bat. And the same guy in professional baseball can hit it 100 feet further. Because he's more in tune with the, his axis of rotation and he's able to accelerate more and to commit more and to hit natural more and to not hold back. So if you want to be a coach that wants to get to the next level, to be able to teach natural hitting, if you don't want to just be stuck for the next 20 years coaching the same hitting theory that a coach taught you, and you may say, well, what's wrong with that? Because uh, uh, the coach who taught me this has all sorts of major league hitters. Well, you know what? There are natural hitters. And natural hitters think for themselves. And they filter out all the things that they were taught that aren't natural. Yet I'm going to tell you something kind of funny. Because every big leaguer has some myths in there that he thinks are true that he learned maybe in high school or college. 
or pro ball that aren't really true. And so when he tries to solve a problem, you know, he's struggling. Of course, he goes to what he knows. When he tries to solve a problem, it ends up screwing him up even worse because it's a myth. Because what he knows is not true. So what does he do? He immediately goes back and trusts his feel. And that's what, that's what got him to the level of the big leagues. And so he goes back to hitting well. And you know the crazy thing? Is while major leaguers are playing, because they're not a teacher yet, they don't really care. Unless somebody points, points it out to them. And there's very few people who've done this research like I have. They will still continue to believe that those things are true. I did. There were things that I thought were true and then I'd struggle when I would try to fix them and then I would say, ah, screw it. And then I'd go back to hitting naturally and I'd hit fine. And then I'd think to myself, well, I must be hitting well now or I must be, I must be doing the things that I know are true for some reason. Maybe I'm more relaxed or maybe I just needed to get into a different frame of mind. But for most of my career, I thought a lot of these myths were actually the truth, but I just I couldn't figure out a way to reconcile them to make it work. But that didn't make it false in my mind. Even though it was, it was a myth. So as soon as I could get rid of that myth... then the sooner I could handle that variable, I can manage that variable with very little effort. So with the college coach that has players that go on and play in the big leagues, it's simply because they those players got good at dismissing through feel. They dismissed the things... They, they just assumed that what the college coach taught them was correct, but it felt different than what they thought it should feel like. And they just, of course, went with the field that proved out to be successful through trial and error. So, so they would just go with what works. That's how guys end up in the big leagues anyways, in spite of what's being taught. But what if you could expand your mind expand so that you would understand these things, so you could teach people? Now, are you trying to over overcoach people? No. You basically imagine having a poster up on your wall up up on your in your locker room saying, hey guys. These are the do's. These are the things that you need to be aware of. And if you're struggling in these areas, there's these little bullet points that are also little touchstones, but you don't have to worry about those until you can't until you can't manage them. You use them as you need them. And all I expect you to do is to be able to manage these variables. And if you're struggling, I'll tell you what area you're struggling in. But you're going to have to fix it because you're going to understand it. You're going to know what the variables are. You're going to know what the drills are. You're going to know what the routines are. You're going to know what the rehearsals are, and you're going to fix it yourself. Is that overcoaching? No. 
That's just letting your players understand what they're doing, where they're going, and how to be self-sufficient, how to think for themselves. If you haven't already, be sure and subscribe to the audio podcast or the video podcast or the blog. And if there's any other uh, course that you're interested in, be sure and subscribe to that course so that you're on the waiting list. If, if you're interested in a certain subject or in a certain, um, certain topic, um, whether it's an audio, video, blog, or a course idea, be sure to subscribe so that you're on that specific waiting list because we're here to help and I want to answer your questions. And if you have any specific questions, please ask them because it helps me know what the issues are so I can help out. So I can give you um, a podcast so that other people can benefit from your question because, you know, Hey, we all have similar problems that we go through and, and uh, by sharing them, we can help other people. And on Facebook and Twitter, be sure and go to Matt D. Noakes on Facebook and Twitter. And be sure and like our pages. If you like what's being said there, be sure and like us as much as possible because that helps us out. And if there is a subscribe to something that you like on there, certainly subscribe. We're going to be doing periscopes. And if there's any periscopes, We'll give you the schedule and we'll let you know on on Twitter and on Facebook and also on the mailing list. So it's that's why it's so important to be on the mailing list on one way or another so that you know what we're doing, whether it's a live broadcast where it's a live Q&A where you can call in or that you can go on the, uh, go on the broadcast and actually ask your question. So once again, thank you for joining me. And as I answered this question about the natural hitter coach's mastermind and certification. And I hope you hope you join us one day in the mastermind course. It will change your life as a coach. It will change your career. It will open your mind. And we hope to see you here soon.